Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Welcome back to all of our listeners. We have a great guest today, Jason Corman. Tell you about him in just a moment, but I'm going to be a little insight. We're going to be talking about culture and how it impacts the customer service and experience. And this guy has a great background, lots of entrepreneurial endeavors. What intrigues me is his wineries, but he is the CEO and co-founder of Gaping Void culture design group more from him in just a moment quick couple of announcements as we always do as we get into the show if you've got any stories you want to share or if you got any questions you want to ask you can find me at any of the social media channels and you know what they are twitter facebook instagram linkedin etc 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 make sure if you're asking a question to use the hashtag ask shep and I'll either answer the questions there, I will answer them on this show, or I will answer them on our TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Amazon Prime, Roku, Apple TV, and uh, many other over-the-top networks. So always an informative uh, episode. We have guests that are great. We have interviews. Uh, I share insights on the TV show, but we do something similar to that here at Amazing Business Radio. We just focus on one guy or gal for an extended period of time, and we pick the brain of an expert. And that's what we're doing today with Jason Corman. Jason is, as I mentioned, the co-founder and CEO of Gaping Void Cultural Design Group. They are based in Miami Beach. He is a serial entrepreneur and uh, has spent a lot of time, I guess, in the wine business, which intrigues me. Uh, his winery, La Crema Winery, uh, was taken over from assets of a bankrupt Sonoma uh, County wine producer, and he eventually turned that around. He was also involved in some South Africa wineries. We'll let him tell more about that. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Chef. Thank you. And uh, so quick background, let's, let's talk about you for just a moment before we jump into the idea of culture and customer service and experience. Uh, Tell us about you. Well, um, my uh, my early business years were, were spent as you as you alluded to in the wine business. And um, from a customer experience perspective, the wine business is fascinating in that um, it is um, remarkably, historically less so today, but in uh, in years past, um, remarkably removed from customer and customer experience. Right? How and so? How how is it there is removed? Well, because there's some assumptions in the wine business that the, that the customer cares about the same stuff that the winery that the producers care about, and there's 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 a, a dysfunction. Meaning, and again, it's changed in the recent years, but in the past, you know, going back even 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, a lot of the conversations about wine is always about how it was grown, how it was picked, who made it, what kind of barrels it went into, what temperature it was fermented at, what the temperature of the grapes were when they were crushed. I mean, all this detail about um, about you know the the craftsmanship of the product, and the truth is that most people don't really care about that stuff. And so, to to connect deeply with customer customer experience, you've got to connect your your product. And what we always do is connect it to some connect it to something more meaningful, not make it more complicated, make it simpler, make it easy to understand, connect people more deeply, and fascinating thing about wine and i don't know chef are you a wine drinker i am not but my wife is and i learn a lot about wine 
But uh, ironically, uh, the other day we picked up a small wine collection. We now like 80, 90 bottles of wine. Um, wow. I don't know why we did it, but it's like, just seemed like something that would be fun to do. Uh, well, I don't drink much, okay. but I would think really at the end of the day, most people, if you go into a restaurant and you say, hey, how much do you know about wine? They'll say, well, I know this one tastes good. So, well, here's the thing. If you're, if you're a wine drinker, if you were going into a wine store, a liquor store to buy a bottle of wine for your wife, right? And you'd walk in, you'd see a shelf or shelves filled with hundreds, if not thousands of bottles of wine. And the question fundamentally is, how does a producer help you make a decision to select their product? Right? Mm -hmm. I think it's probably one of the greatest marketing challenges um, there is in any industry right? across the board. It's extraordinarily difficult. And the big lie of the wine business, just 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 insight for everybody, is is that people want uh, producers want people to believe it's very difficult to make high quality great wine, and that's not true anymore. It was once, not, not true anymore. Um, it's very hard to sell. So because you've got you know you've got the channels filled and controlled by the companies, you've got this confusion on the shelves, and you've got so much competition that it makes it, it makes it extraordinarily difficult and the business model is terrible. So I won't bore you with more of those details. Let's talk about culture. Can we talk about culture? Shep? Yeah, we can talk about culture. I'm fascinated by the wine thing because at the end of the day, does the wine taste good or not? Because I go in to buy a bottle of wine and, and I talk to the person, I go, well, and they go, well, what do you like? I, go, I don't know what I like. What does exactly. she like? I don't know what she likes. I think she exactly. likes, she drinks red. Red, well, is it's, it this or that? <laughs> it's, it's an unknowable random experience. Right? Yeah. So if you think of yourself, if you really care about your customers at a producer, as a producer, what you're trying to do is make the experience less random, right? And, and more focused on the needs of a particular group of people, right? right. Who like something, right? And you've got to identify that and, and zero in on it. And, and, then, and then it's a lot, a lot of sort of, I don't know if you follow uh, Bob Cialdini. I um, do. Robert Cialdini is one of my favorite people in the world. So he's a friend of Gaping Void, and and you know, and then you you have to apply um, you know some principles, right? So if you think about wine, it's it's all about scarcity. If there's a lot of something, people don't want it, right? That just, that's what drives price, you know, limited. So there's a lot of that going on, which which very often are just marketing constructs, but people people love it, right? And and so they. So, so it, it's, it's a very, very interesting product from a lot of perspectives, how it's made, our, yep. how it's marketed and, and the relationship with the customer. All right. But, so, and you've kind of already started as we shift into culture and customer experience, Robert Cialdini, for those who don't know, has written one of the greatest books. I actually would put it in my top 10 books of all time. And the book is titled influence and it's how we can create an influence on our customers, our employees, our family members partners, spouses, whatever. Um, and I know that's a big part of what you talk about related to culture. So let's segue into culture and get right into how culture is the way to create influence. Okay, great. So, all right. So, so culture is generally in, in an organizational sense, um, misunderstood, right? Um, people think about it um, as employee engagement type of thing. So we, you know, it's essentially the thinking is um, if we, throw um, nice stuff at our, at our employees, they'll be happier, they'll do a better job, they'll get better output, right? And so th therefore, you, know, you get a lot of the, the sort of memes around, uh, around uh, you know, beers, beer on Friday, foosball tables, you know, sort of, 
the old dot com uh, offices. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Couches and ping and, pong tables. Correct. And and so what what you what you realize after spending just a little bit of time studying studying those things is that they um, they're nice to have, but they don't supply people with long term motivation around um, doing better work being more thoughtful and careful about what they do and, and really being deeply connected to the outcomes that they have, that they're responsible for every day. And so, so those, and those things are generally referred to as extrinsic motivators. They are the stuff that we give people, whether it's money or, or entertainment or what have you benefits that, that, you know, that, that um, those extrinsic motivators typically are short lived and of limited use. So what you're saying is that if I put a foosball table in my office, it's not going to change the culture. Well, it'll, you'll get engagement around foosball, which will mostly distract people from doing their work for, for a week <laughs> or two. And then it'll sit there and collect dust. And a year from now, you'll look at it and go, why did I spend five grand on that foosball table? No one ever uses it, right? I'm sure, I don't know if you have kids, but you, know, you would have had the same sensation about, about things you bought the kids over the years. But... The point is that, that that's not what really drives human connection. And, and what we have to think about is we have to think about our, our, our organizations as communities of people who are tasked with certain outcomes, right? And what we're trying to do is align and connect the community to purpose and to, to, to focusing on you know, what, 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 their, what their job is every day. So the mm -hmm. question is, how do you do that? All right. Well, and so this is all this is all highly theoretical. So, so the question is, how do you do that? And I'll get to that in a minute. But, but from a from a sort of management perspective, right? And this is the this is I wrote an article for the MIT Sloan Review a few months ago, which was entitled uh, "Culture as a Management System." And and principally, what it's about is this idea that you can design cultures, you can execute cultures, you can measure culture change. Therefore, culture actually is a management system. Because when you embed the right kinds of, of, of uh, cultural norms into your organization, um, you actually influence the behaviors and mindsets and beliefs that people have every day as they do their work. And it's infinitely scalable. Meaning, if you look at, uh, say, Microsoft, an old client of ours, um, and you look at what Satya Nadella has, has achieved in the last five and a half years, what he's done is completely rewired how people think about their work. Right, how they connect to each other and how they actually get the work done. And until the, the stock market tanked this week, you know, they, he had taken the market value of Microsoft from 400 billion, less than 400 billion, 350 billion, to 1.4 trillion in five years. The biggest business turnaround, and they always made money, so don't get me wrong, but in terms of, of culture, the biggest culture change project, the most valuable culture change project ever undertaken in business history. Right. Wow, that's huge. Can can you give me an idea? Just, I mean, I don't know if it, it, you can do it in a minute or so, but what describe the culture before and what it is today? At Microsoft? Yes. Oh, by sure. the way, I love Microsoft, and thank okay. you, Microsoft. You're in my retirement plan. I I love Great. you. Yep. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So good choice. So okay. So so in in when when Steve Ballmer ran Microsoft, the focus was on sales and delivery numbers. Right. So he didn't really care, you know. And this is by from observation. He didn't really care um, what you had to do. You had to hit your numbers. You had to sell the product and the stuff. And they had a lot of stuff, sort of early two thousands, late late nineties, you know, into probably the twenty tens. That didn't work that well. Maybe you experienced that. I know I experienced that. But he, they didn't care whether it worked or not. What they cared about was, did it get sold, right? 
and 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 so there was this extreme focus on on just numbers. And so what happens when you get people just to focus on numbers? Well, they just focus on numbers. So they didn't they didn't work together very well. Um, you know, the folks there were you know were, were often referred to as having sharp elbows. There was huge negative competition internally. Um, you saw that. Um, sort of, uh, sort of, you know, sort of migrate outside the business, customers didn't like them, bad customer experience, you know, et cetera. So you had this, this thing where they, as I said, they always made money, they owned the operating system. That wasn't a problem, but everything around it was. So Sachi came in and the first day he took over, he sent an email to everybody. And he said, basically, look, I want us to start thinking differently about who we are as people and how we do our business. And the way we will sell more stuff and the way that we will succeed as a company is if we show up caring more about each other every day and caring deeply about our customers. Because if we do that, we will build better products and we will sell more of them. So what he basically said was twisted. He went from extrinsic money to intrinsic, caring about each other, caring about customers, being more empathetic, and then we'll deliver better products and make more money doing it. And that's exactly what happened. Right. And by the way, each of them is a culture. They're just completely, I would say, almost uh, opposite. You know, they're opposing each other. Okay. So if we, if we were to um, just segue and think about, okay, customer experience, right? And customer service. And, and what Satya did was he reset the mental models around and the beliefs and mindsets around how he wanted people to approach their work, right? Would you agree? You I would agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Focus on money to focus on each other, right? Focus taking care of customers. So I, I will, I'm going to I'm going to make this I'm going to I'm going to sort of use a slightly different model and show you the power of that. Let's just say you've got a frontline customer service type 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 um, type of uh, function. It could be it could be um, in uh, you know it could be a phone store. It could be in a retail environment. What have you? Doesn't matter. And you've got two type of people. Person number one is a customer-focused person who shows up every day knowing, I exist to love my customers. Without them, I wouldn't be here. Um, that, that I am here to help, that, that my existence is based upon making these people happy and satisfied in their experience. And you have another type of person. That, type of person, that person turns up saying, my customers are cheap, they're pain in the ass, um, they're, they're needy. Um, they are, you know, they, they, I hate them, you know, and, and think about the mindset of person one versus person two. And you don't, doesn't matter how well skilled they are and how well trained they are, you know, customer experience with person A is going to be a lot better than with customer, uh, customer experience with person B, right? Fundamentally. And that's all about the psychology of what they're thinking when they show up every day. Right. And to, to further, uh, emphasize that sometimes leaders come to the table with one of those two mindsets. Hey, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want you to continue the story because I think this is fascinating. And then I also want you to share some specific ideas that we can put to use right away on how we can start to drive a better culture. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. And that's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. Each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business 
and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Jason Corman, and you are sharing with us the difference between A person and B person. A, I love my customer. B, they're a pain. And uh, I know that some leaders, and I wrote about this recently, have come in and they say something negative about the customer. And guess what happens? It just it, it just seems to spread. It's like it's like I don't want to use the word virus lightly, but it's like a virus. That that attitude spreads and it's infectious throughout the culture. So Jason, let's continue with the story. So yeah, so everybody shows up to work with a mindset about pretty much everything they do. And those mindsets, and we, we have models we use, which really take into account beliefs and mindsets and models and principles and worldviews and, and values. And people think that, that culture is about core values and it's not, oh, I can explain that in a minute. Uh, but everyone shows up with, with that, those, that collection of ideas about the work they do, right? Um, and here's the thing, um, and you mentioned uh, before the break that leaders uh, come, up, come in, you know, show up with, with, you know, with sometimes with negative mindsets. Um, and the truth is, for, for sure they do, right? And, and culture is really about programming the right kinds of mindsets that you want people to adopt. And here's the problem when leaders do it, right? And it's, it's a really interesting phenomenon, which is that in every organization, there's one thing that's always true, right? And, uh, and that is that people copy the behaviors of other people that they view to be successful. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you've got... A CEO, for example, the woman or man at the top of the top of the food chain, and they are negative, or they are sarcastic, or they are brutal, or they are whatever. Figure out the negative attribute, right? That is the behavior that will cascade down through the business, because everyone will be copying them, right? Replace them with a different kind of person, the more positive person, and you can see things change overnight. And there's a, there's a bunch of science on this. Negative behaviors spread faster than positive behaviors. So you've got to be really, really careful about the type of person you attract and how they show up every day, right? So when we think about culture, for us, it's about actually programming the beliefs and mindsets and mental models and principles and worldviews that the organization needs to undertake. And you can easily think about that in the context of, of, um, of customer experience, right? What is it, the experiences that you want people to have? Why do we show up every day? Why do we matter, right? What's our purpose here, right? And so you need to be really clear about that. And where culture goes awry, and I'll talk about some cultural disasters in a sec that will highlight the point, is when people don't understand those fundamentals. So let's talk about, and I'm sure you've covered this before, United Airlines two years ago, Dr. David Dow gets pulled off. Pulled off the plane. His nose is broken. Brutally pulled off the paint. Brutally pulled off the paint. Here's the crazy thing. And I mean that. Crazy. That gate agent thought she was doing the right thing. (laughs) She thought the right thing to do was to remove that man at any cost, right? So that she could free that seat up for the other United employee. Right? And it kind of gives a whole new meaning to fly the friendly skies of United. Exactly. And, you know, and they, to this day are suffering from that episode, right? I mean, 
hardly a week goes by that you don't read another a, a negative a negative story about United because yeah, that, that, it'll be hard to forget that one. I you know I I don't like to bash any company and I don't believe I'm bashing United. You know they I think looking back they know what they could have done differently and I think they've made it real clear and I think it's actually made the airline better as a result of that incident. Possibly you know Oscar Munoz came out who was CEO at the time. I'm not sure if he still is maybe. But and said, oh, the, the gate agent did the absolute correct thing, right? And so what you realize is that um, that the, the leadership of United actually misunderstood the relationship that they want that they should have had with their customers, right? The value of the customer. So think about you know think about you know the experience you have on a Southwest Airlines, for example, or or even JetBlue. Mm-hmm. Um, and and think about how they think about customer experience compared to what happened at United or Amer- I'm a frequent flyer in American. I'm an American all the time, right? And and I get upgrades. I'm treated really well compared to like most of the people. It's still pretty crappy, right? It's still not a great experience, right? Well, the the fundamentals of that of that of that business is that they really still are struggling with the the. How they the beliefs and mindsets of minimal models around their customers, so they they so they can design a great customer experience. So my point is, right? You can you can um, customer experience fundamentally is an outcome of employee experience. So if you want custom great customer experience, you've got to create create great uh, employee experiences. And if you're not, you're asking employees just to fake it for customers. Yeah, and I think boy, that's a tweetable line, and I think it's so true. Um, you know, what's happening on the inside of a company is felt on the outside by the customer. Totally. So, you know, within 30 seconds of interacting with a business, um, what the employee experience is like. Okay. Think about, think about connecting with your cable company, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care what your cable company is. Chances are you're going to have a pretty crappy experience. Pardon my French. Uh, and I'll guarantee you the person on the other end of the phone is having a, a crummy experience too, right? Like they're not happy that comes through. You can try to fake it as long as you want. It, it, you can't fake it forever. Right. And here's the thing about, interesting thing about culture, right? So once you create it internally, so we've done a lot of work over the years with Zappos, Tony Shea's great friend. Um, and um, so if you think about Zappos, um, and this idea I mentioned earlier of the culture as a management system, I'll, I'll give you an example of how that works. Let's just say you're working, and I'm sure you're familiar with, um, the Zappos sort of culture, culture is their brand, right? I mean, Shep, you, you must be familiar so with I them. love it. And, and Tony's been a great friend and endorser of several of my books. So, uh, yeah. Okay, and I, I just, you know, they're to me, uh, I don't want to use, I, I, what's the word, right? It's like, they're the, the old adage of what great service should be. I mean, they're just an icon. Okay. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Let's think about, because, because, you know, for most people, you go through the Zappos tour and you're done with the hour, hour and a half, however long it takes to go through the place. And if you're from a, if you work for like a traditional kind of business, the one thing you're thinking of, this is interesting, but it'll never work in my place. Mm-hmm. Right? But what will work, right? And this is kind of our business is actually the thinking behind what they do. Okay. So no, you don't want to have a wall where you have ties cut off or you don't want people having shakers as you walk through, you know, creating a ruckus. No, you don't want that in your office. But what you do want is you want that connection and you want that sense of togetherness and purpose, right? So, okay. So let's think about, um, you know, Zappos is dedicated to customer, customer experience. That's why they exist. It's fundamental to, to their to their brand and everything they do. 
And let's just say, and what they do is they use culture as their brand, right? And they use it as a way of communicating to the world that we're special, we're different. And if you think, if you remove that, they're a very mundane business. Online, full price, not very interesting, right? So, okay, fine. So, so they say to, to the world, look, um, you're gonna have a great experience when you reach out to us, um, you, you know, we're gonna take care of you in a way that you've never been taken care of before, right? Fine, that's projected out to the customer. You're working in the call center, they have 700 people in Vegas on the call, on the, in the call center, maybe more now. You pick up the phone and you answer, and what do you know as the person doing the customer service? You actually know what the expectation is of the customer on the other end of the line. You know that the expectation is it's gonna be a great experience, that I've got to, yeah, I've got to create wow, I've got you know, the series of things I must deliver, and that's the expectation, and it is done without ever having to told the, 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 the service person or, you know, or given them best practices. They just know because they know what the expectation is from the customer. And so the, that, that expectation is what manages the experience from the external side to the customer service person. Well, Tony, sense? yeah, Tony Shea was brilliant. And I think what happens is when he hires or when the firm, the company hires people, they hire and they put them into an onboarding process and they get them immediately indoctrinated into the culture and they teach people what's expected on the inside. I believe he called, I don't remember, it's 10 uh culture principles, whatever that you have to basically uh, believe in all 10 of these. And I think part of it is you understand what the customer wants. And when those two things hit, it's phenomenal. Customer yeah. might call up upset about something, but what they really want is the problem to be resolved and they want to be happy when it's over. And you understand that as the person supporting them, you know what you have to deliver. And by the way, that's because that's the culture that was created internally. So, okay, so, so let's just, we're gonna dig, I know that we don't have much time left. But yeah, we'll we, got about, we got about one minute before I ask you the one thing question. <laughs> okay, so, so I'll just say one more thing. So most folks think about culture as core values, and here's the thing about core values. They are what we refer to as reductive in, in, their, in their nature, meaning you typically take these, these very complex ideas, say, diversity and inclusion, or say collaboration, and you, you, you put them as core value and you tell people to go do them, right? And a statement of the destination is not a substitute for the roadmap. So if you wanna have a great culture, what you've gotta do is break those things down to all the things that if people are doing, they will deliver that outcome. So don't think about core values. Think about all the meta behaviors and the beliefs and mindsets that will deliver that value every day for folks. Mm. So and it's then, behaviors. Yeah, well, no, it's about, it's about the thinking that will deliver the behavior. Okay. You can't really tell people how to act. You've got to program the psychology that will give that behavior. That so it's sense. a mindset before the behavior. Totally about beliefs and mindsets. So there you go. All right, perfect. Wow, uh, so much. We talked about Zappos. We talked about Microsoft. We learned a little bit about wine at the beginning. But what Look. I want to do is wrap it up with one final question. And you know what's coming. And everybody that listens to the show knows. What's the one thing you want to leave this audience with today? So I think the one thing um, that, that, and this upsets lots of people when they, when they recognize it to be a truth, which is that we treat our employees as if they're rational actors and if we are rational every day at work. And if we just tell them how to behave and we tell them what to do, they will go and do it. It's fundamentally not true. What you have to do is you have to program 
the beliefs and mindsets and mental models and principles and worldviews that will deliver the behavior you want. So you have to help people clarify their thinking so they can deliver the behavior, not just tell them what to do. And that is really the key to, 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 to designing and executing cultures. Wow. So once again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to paraphrase it. I don't know if I'm going to get it. It's one thing to say, I want you to do this. It's another thing to teach them the why behind it, the understanding behind it, uh, so that they have the mindset to it before they deliver it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I got it. I got it. Outstanding. Thank you so much for being on the show. This is very insightful. We talked about culture and your concept of designing the right culture. The company is Gaping Void Culture Design Group. Jason Corman is the CEO and co-founder. Jason, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Chef. All right, fun. everybody. Yes, it was great fun. And I love the stories, love the analogies, love the company examples. We'll be back next week with another interview. Can't wait till then. Remember, I love to use that word amazing. This is Chef Hyken reminding you until we meet again to always be amazing. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.